A second responder would be, instead of making it possible for people to physically live, looking at culture is looking at ways that people are living beyond just physical health. You have food and clothing and shelter, then this is sort of like, and what do you have that for? What are you living for? The word research conjures up a familiar set of images for many people. Scientists in white lab coats, test tubes, perhaps some sort of medical setting studying diseases. It sort of feels like it belongs to the hard sciences and STEM fields. But the discovery, exploration, and new knowledge uncovered in doing research is just as vital in the social sciences, the arts, and humanities. That's what Beth Weeman is talking about when she references the term second responders. I'm Ron Lisnett, and this is the Main Question Podcast. Weeman is a professor of music at UMaine who has recently taken the helm of the McGillicuddy Humanities Center. Named for Clement McGillicuddy, UMaine class of 64, and his wife Linda, the center recently celebrated its 10th anniversary. Aside from the many programs and events the MHC sponsors, it has the ability to fund research and creative achievement in the humanities, art, music, poetry, history, and many other topics. Faculty at UMaine are able to take a deep dive into their fields. The center also funds research for eight undergraduates to begin their research careers. The mission statement for the MHC sums up the work they do this way. The center supports programs that foster intellectual curiosity, critical reflection, and creative innovation. Central to the center's work is the belief that study of the humanities inspires compassion across differences, develops empathy, strengthens critical thinking skills, and cultivates the emotional and intellectual agility needed to navigate an increasingly interconnected and complex global landscape. It's an ambitious mission. In this episode of The Main Question, we take a closer look at the role of humanities research and programming at UMaine. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. We should note that we're in the class of 44 Hall here, and if you hear an aria or somebody playing a trombone, um, that's uh, part, of, part of the charm of this building, right? These are my neighbors. Right. Yes. McGillicuddy Humanities Center. It's been in existence for 10 years now. Can you just talk about how it came to be? Sure. So back 10 years ago, there was a strategic plan being put forward by the university called the Blue Sky Plan. And they were funding sort of pilot projects for various things. And the then dean of our college of liberal arts and sciences, Jeff Hecker, wanted to put together something that would essentially support the humanities research of the current faculty and students better than what we had been doing so far. Um, so he put together kind of, a, as I said, a pilot program with Scott C., who was a professor of history at the time, and he led what was called the Humanities Initiative and eventually became a center. And for the first five years, it sort of did a kind of steady growth. Uh, and as uh, we have talked before, we changed directors every two years, in part just to sort of spread around the, the perspectives because our particular Humanities Center also includes the arts, which not all humanities centers around universities around the country do. So they wanted to get, so for instance, they went from a history professor to Justin Wolf, an art history professor. And in the interim, we've had a couple English professors be director. We've also had a history, another history professor uh, and a communications professor. So all those people had a slightly different perspective, and therefore their two years, they might have slightly different priorities for funding. And that was just sort of assumed given the background of all these different people. So I'm the first music person to actually uh, be this director. 
for the first five years was just an unnamed center. And at that time, Jennifer Moxley, an English professor and poet, was the director, and she was talking to the McGillicuddy's, who had been a supporter, supporting, you know, couple for the, for the initial version of the center. And she had an idea that they should have undergraduate fellows. And that became a much bigger deal for us, right? So she started off with having four undergraduate fellows being given funding for undergraduate research in the humanities and arts. So the McGillicuddy's wanted to fund the center more permanently, so they made it a name center for the Clement and Linda McGillicuddy Humanity Center. So talk about the, the core mission. Is it, a, as you alluded to, it's sort of a way of consolidating and collating and raising the profile of work in the humanities. Right, that's part of it. And the, so raising the profile of the humanities work, because lots and lots of people wouldn't necessarily associate the word research with being an English professor or a music <clears throat> professor, for that matter. But the other thing was that we thought that the humanities programs might interact more if they were actually sort of being funded by a unit that could promote connections between these different departments and between students from these different departments. Because many times I know my own students don't really interact with people from other parts of campus unless they happen to be all in the marching band, you know. It's, 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 they're sort of in their, in their little area. So this is a way of getting people to go across areas a bit. And so most people think of research, they think of uh, white lab coats and test tubes and, or me- medical research. Um, talk about, the con- you, you've sort of alluded to it, but some of the kinds of areas that are being explored, any, any sort of common themes or just describing, you know, big picture? Right. Well, some of the, the biggest ones have actually started off with the Gillicuddy support and then gone on to uh, the the National Endowment for the Humanities Support. So, for instance, both Margot Lukens and Anne Knowles, uh, Margot from English and Anne from History, have gotten NEH support for their projects, and they started here, you know, with little support that we gave. So Margot's support is uh, talking about making a digital kind of collection for Wabanaki um, research interests, documents, things, you know, all, all kinds of stuff that if you wanted to sort of find out where to find these things, you could go through her portal. And that's what the NEH is actually helping her support is making this portal so that people can actually find stuff. And Ann Knowles is doing a Holocaust sort of mapping project where she's looking at different Holocaust sites and mapping them so that people don't lose the information about what used to be there. So she's getting NEH money for that, and she has a team of undergrads and graduate students working with her. So that's an example of someone or some people who took a small amount of funding, built the project up, got it to a national level. And we've actually, we have a range of faculty sort of stuff where people might need to travel to a library to see documents, to see manuscripts, things like that to research artists. I am, um, Mimi Killinger is doing some research on a painter that she's actually gotten some support to go to the painter's hometown and you know sort of find out how that painter grew up and what, what influenced her. So things like that would be the faculty stuff. The student stuff would be similar projects, but on a you know obviously more undergrad level. So some people are doing versions of what their capstones or thesis thing would be. So if they're also an honor student, they might be working on an oral history project, things like that. 
and from your own department, Phil Silver is uh, involved as well. Right. So he's also doing uh, Holocaust research. His specialty is music that was either shunned or promoted (laughs) during during the Nazi era and talking about what happened to those composers, both those who survived and those who did not. So we're going to bring one of his collaborators, Murray Sidlin, uh, from um, actually from Catholic University. We're hoping to bring him in in the spring to do a joint project. Funding for research is always a challenge, mm-hmm. but the um, McGillicuddy Center certainly helps in that regard. And the eight now eight student fellows—that's yes, right. a prime example of that, isn't it? Yeah, sure. So what happens is those people get some funding. We hope it makes it possible for them to do this project and maybe spend less time working at their job that's helping them pay their tuition, right? So this is basically the money equals time. Right. Can you talk about the annual symposium? The annual symposium, um, we have a theme every year of events that we hope are sort of speaking to one another. Now, I, I sort of mentioned two of them already. Anne's project and Philip's project are both Holocaust-related, and that goes along with our recovery of lost cultures theme for this year. And uh, Darren Ranko is going to, we hope, have, work with the Bomazine Land Trust to do a, a something next spring that's going to be fitting into that particular um, theme. Marco Lukens is giving the main heritage lecture this month, so that's actually going to be sort of, we're not really sponsoring it because it's part of her ongoing project, but we're sort of the original sponsor. So she's going to be talking about the Wabanaki project during that lecture. So funding for research in STEM fields, especially when you have a pandemic like we've been going through, obviously important, uh, you know, the, the medical end of things. But uh, when you talk about the humanities, uh, I've heard the term, and you talked about the term second responders as sometimes used. What, what does that mean? Well, it was... It was the, where I saw it was not specifically a humanities thing. It was actually sort of mentioned to do with people who study culture, which is sort of like that, would, that could be broadly speaking what the humanities is, right? We're actually doing various aspects of culture, sometimes just history, sometimes just the arts, but culture in general. So a second responder would be instead of making it possible for people to physically live, this would be a way for, you know, looking at culture is looking at ways that people are living beyond just physical health, right? So mental health, um, ways that we have, ways that we use arts to have memory, things like that. So looking at that, it's sort of, once you get to be, you know, you have food and clothing and shelter. The then basics. The basics. Then this is sort of like, and what do you have that for? What are you living for? So that's culture. So in your message on the, uh, in the website for the Humanities Center, you talk about how the humanities have contributed to your work, uh, making music and composing. Can you talk about how that has uh, informed your work and helped your work? Sure. Well, I do a lot of vocal music. So vocal music usually has words. And I don't usually write the words, although occasionally I edit the words. But um, so I've worked with people actually on this campus. I work with Jennifer Moxley on an opera. So that was sort of based on the life of a poet, American poet who then lived in England for most of her life. So we did an opera on that. And that was basically, you know, using poetry and the history of World War One and uh, Jennifer's versions of those, um, the way those, those people would talk. And then my music to sort of illustrate all that stuff. So that's sort of like three or four different versions of humanities stuff all built into one thing. So we have a lot of majors here at the university, uh, you know, from engineering, zoology to anthropology, you know, A to Z, really. 
but is the overall education still based in sort of that liberal arts tradition, uh, liberal with a small L? <laughs> well, I know that our college, Liberal Arts and Sciences, granted the sciences are there as well, but we provide the bulk of what we call the general education courses for the students. So all the students at, at this campus are going to go through our program for something. Um, so, yeah, I think that we've, we provide the, the foundation, really. And that hopefully yields a student who is well-rounded, knows a little bit of history, knows how to speak, knows right. how to write, all the basics. Yep. So you have a two-year hitch mm-hmm. coming. You're just sort of uh, getting into your groove, yes. one, one would assume. Where, but uh, once you were done, where do you see this work heading in five to ten years? Well, five to ten years. Five years ago, there weren't any fellows, and now we have eight. It sort of depends how big we want to get. Do we want to have more than eight, or is eight sort of, at least for our current staffing, that's probably what we can handle. I would imagine that um, funding might become more competitive if we stay at eight slots. That means more people might actually, you know, start applying for this kind of funding and this kind of opportunity. And it might be that the McGillicuddy Fund could help different departments have their own mini fellowships so that we you know it's not all sort of centralized but it's hard to say given the fact that we don't know what the what the um, wall street's going to do right it's come a long way though in 10 years yes it has all right well thank you so much for uh, taking the time to talk to us thanks for having me thanks for tuning us in you can get all of our episodes in a number of spots apple and google podcasts spotify stitcher and soundcloud umates facebook twitter and youtube pages as well as amazon and audible subscribe and rate us on your favorite platform if you like what you hear or not questions or comments send them along to mainquestion at maine.edu this is ron lisnett we'll catch you next time on the main question